I'm Shannon Paradis, your host and founder of Learn, Laugh, Leap. I'll be bringing you content about self-discovery, how people find their purpose, live joyfully, and make an explosive impact on those around them. The podcast at its core is centered around health and wellness, but I want to start by learning from people that light up my life personally, laugh a lot, and then I want to have conversations with people that change the way we dream and empower us to leap forward. I'm so excited to take you on this journey with me. Let's leap in. This episode of Learn, Laugh, Leap is a continuation from a conversation with Seth Paradis, PhD, Program Director and Professor of Human Kinetics and Applied Health Science, as well as a Department Chair for a University. You can access Part 1 through my Facebook page if you haven't tuned in already. In Part 1, we discuss the microbiome, neuroplasticity, and the GAPS diet which his son has been on, and that also led us to part two. I wanted to learn more about Seth's diet and how that has changed over time and dig deeper into his health and wellness journey. That it started with that, you know, and first just recognizing some things in Kai, and then oh yeah, and then then trying to make it into a family approach because if you're just I'm only making one meal, darn it, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to be making special meals and that yeah. sort of stuff. So um, I, I really do believe that, and there's other tangents, and that's where we're going to get to. But the the number one thing is the quality of food and whole foods, and making that your number one priority, um, and eating live foods for your biomes or fermented foods and those sorts of things and what is Seth talking about when he says fermented foods? Fermentation is the process of using microorganisms such as bacteria or yeast to convert carbs to alcohol or acid. So there's two types of fermentation, alcoholic, how we produce beer, bread, and wine, and lactic acid. Fermented foods are filled with good bacteria. 80% of our immune system, guys, lies in the gut or second brain as Seth is calling, we have two two brains. So having proper balance of your gut flora is very important. So if you're consuming things like kombucha, sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, uh, pickles, and miso, those are all going to help you get back to a healthy gut. I think the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to the ripple effects in other areas in your body, that is definitely by far, if you want to start someplace, the most important. I kind of then categorize different areas into biohacks where they are hard to sustain. Biohacking is the desire to be the best version of ourselves, essentially through techniques that are high return that require little investment of time, energy, and money. And they produce a big increase in well-being. Like if you haven't heard of Jim Quick, he is the master of biohacking and learning things fast and retaining information, which is so important because we're just constantly being inundated with things. And so to to have the ability to capture that information and lock it down, that's a skill. That's a biohacking skill. I don't even remember in most of what I've learned in the last 26 years, all the way up through my, my PhD, uh, that was around 2000. So for the last 13 years, I've had letters behind my name, Mm -hmm. credentials. And I've learned more real stuff and system interactions and 
reducing it down to biochemistry and hormones and neurotransmitters of the body in the last 13 years that have nothing to do with my degrees, that are more tangible, impactful on uh, body's health systems and healthcare and just overall well-being in the last 13 years than I ever did the first 30 years of my life. So has it been just doing your own research or living it? What's been the most so, educational thing yeah, for you? Know what you know well, then find others that know stuff better than you. That's the key to life. And the most brilliant people that inspire me today in 2018, the most brilliant people down at, at Mayo, at, at Duke, at other establishments around the world that I get to work with now, people that know will never say they know. Because, and I said this We'll never your, say they know at no, all? No, uh, I mean, because the, the progressive aspect of human sciences right now in research in the microbiome projects, in genetic projects, in the genome projects, and in the interaction of all these sorts of things, you know, what they think they know on Monday when they come back, they'll f discover something on Tuesday that proves what they thought they thought on Monday was not quite what they hmm. thought. And so you can keep having theories, keep pushing the field forward, but never stand there and go, this is what I know and this is correct because the field is changing so much and that's why it's so exciting. Through current research and through zealots in the field that are progressing things against the grain, I have no problem calling people up and go, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm a director of a program, I want to evolve curriculum, I want to learn personally, can I come out and spend two weeks out in your clinic when you're working with diabetes and those sorts of things as food is medicine, and what are you doing and how is it changing the world? Because you have a six-month waiting list in your clinic, you know, and you're doing it right. And the simplicity behind it is just mind-boggling to me. So I was learning it, I was seeing it work, and it blew me away because I was eating healthy, I was working out, I was still not correcting certain things. I was still probably about 20-ish pounds overweight. But Really? I was never like, Seth, no. man, you're really letting yourself go. No, but that's the whole point. And so I think we all have marks in our in our life where or our body spots where they should be in healthy. And I think we've changed it. We we've changed health norms in the medical field for healthy body norms, for weight, for height, for, for percent body fat. We've changed all these as our cultures become more obese. To make people maybe feel better, I don't know. But as we change and as we have these different set points based on what we're consuming or environmental things or those sort of things. So I started a, a case study on myself personally, and there is a difference between low-carb, high-fat, and ketogenic eating. And so you can eat low-carb, high-fat, and not be ketogenic. Do you think that you're in a ketogenic state because Always. you've been on it? Always. For, for how long have you been on um, it? I've been on it for approximately a little over two years. Wow. But I'm lucky because everything low carb, high fat is uh, everything I love. <laughs> and, and I and I cook and I, I consume more calories now than I have ever in my life. And I'm not insulin dependent anymore. Um, I'm burning ketones. It's a great addiction because ketones can go past the blood brain and you start just thinking differently. What about your heart? That's the rebuttal to the keto diet is... All that fat yeah. is just clogging up your heart. Yeah. And so this is fun because I have great letters behind my name. And I've been professionally taught all this stuff from the best people since, you know, 1992. I've been going to schooling for this. My job is then to create curriculum that teaches this. We are very much wrong. Fat is not evil. 
Fat doesn't cause cardiovascular disease. It doesn't. Now, you talk to some of the, the – what is the diet that most cardiovascular surgeons or cardiothoracic surgeons give post-op and stuff like that? It, it is not going to be what you think. There's a difference between healthy fats and non-healthy fats. Am I saying that you should just always have steak and bacon? No. I think there's a place for that. But when it comes to cardiovascular health and how vessels harden, how plaque builds up, people want to talk about liver and filtration and is it hard on that and it's not even the same pathways with ketosis and other unhealthy things i could go into the weeds with this but i definitely don't <laughs> think your listeners want to hear this but whatever you think you know it's wrong and that is something i live with every day i was lucky enough to start an academic program now about eight nine years ago and it's one of the, one of the top new revenue streams of the institution it's gone from zero to almost 200 students Students. We have new laboratory spaces. And everything. In general, the health and wellness program, or is it biokinetics? It's biokinetics. And so okay. there's a, now we have the center of well-being, and that's going down a little bit different pathway than the healthcare or health of an individual to more of kind of the cognitive, more focused to it, the spiritual component to it at the institution. But when it comes to curriculum, my job is to place people in jobs or get them to great graduate schools or medical school. I told you earlier is that about five, six years ago, I realized that I was a part of this machine. Just like I was saying that you have to choose to live your life and create either chaos or start being in life. There's no way that I could be an educator in 2018 and have the passion that I want to do to sell a product if now the current science from biochemistry to immunology, everything I was taught was wrong. And when you so, kind of figured that out, how disappointing was that to uh, you that you're like, I spent how many years? My ego was hurt stuff. hard. And, but luckily enough, um, I was at a stage through the other dimensions in my personal practice of, of self-care, of meditation, to put the ego aside for all those other things and realizing if I am here, I'm going to do it correctly. We are changing curriculum. Um, I worked with those colleagues. We created some new nutrition courses um, to correct the biochemistry with it. We interact with now biochemistry professors that are also aware of low-carb, high-fat, and the interaction of the body systems with it, too. Um, and so it's multidisciplined as well. But it, it is a big ego uh, buster. buster. Yeah. Um, but it's also, if you have the luxury of changing it and creating a new pathway of understanding, that then they can continue. And you plant seeds. I, I only plant seeds, and then they leave, and you do a lot more after your undergrad. <laughs> but at the same time, if we can at least plant that seed of understanding, for true care and not just just do to do because it's the way it's been. Aunt Heidi, you know, she's a psychiatrist and and she is in the most frustrating field on planet Earth when it comes to eating disorders in this. From those situations to even in in clinic nutrition aspects of what is even being taught is still very archaic. But billable and scope of practice and liability, those things take decades to change, even if people know that they're not quite correct. And so if you need to change insulin sensitivity to mess with serotonin levels and biomes, but you're shoving down processed carbs and desserts for people that have eating disorders, but they can never get out of that loop and you're not looking at certain things, 
or people that have diabetes and type 2 and they can't figure out why suddenly they're eating properly but they haven't reset anything or they're not messing with their insulin glucagon interaction thread it just is not working in all of the data it just doesn't work long term so we have to start some new stuff so in this podcast we've talked a lot about present day and kind of what you're doing in health and wellness but i want to talk to you because you mentioned like it's always changing where do you think that it's going where it's heading maybe even specific to different diets that are out there like whole mm-hmm. 30 has been a huge trend and it's really taken off for certain reasons in that it it's changed people's lives. It's been really, you know, they take away the dairy and things like that, which yeah. are inflammatory yeah. things. Yeah. And then keto, yeah. which has obviously been working for you. Right. You know, and I always, you know, keto is a lifestyle. I always say that. You know, I, we started talking about this where if people first focus on resetting the biome, looking at healthy bacteria, and then just get to actually creating a rhythm or a new lifestyle with whole foods. You don't have to be ketogenic. You don't have to even be low carb. But where are you getting your carbs from? You know, we have the possibilities in 2018 to get so many healthy carbs through our vegetables, through our dark leafy greens, and through many other beautiful sources that way. And instead of getting these processed breads that just spike insulin and mess with the inflammatory response and those sorts of things. So my little bit of humble wisdom on this is I think that if people want to do 30-day things and stuff like that, it sometimes can be more detrimental long-term wise if it's not a lifestyle change. You might get acute or short-term weight loss and feel really good, but then what happens after that 30 days? I don't crave alcohol anymore. I have to How long did that take? To not crave it anymore. A long time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's also but the rhythm of it. It's about the rhythm of it and the purpose of it. And the purpose of it most of the time, not the social aspects and those sorts of things. But the rhythm of it was was self-medication for different reasons um, and messing with that biochemistry of possibly numbing certain things. But it was usually detrimental in that roundabout way where it was causing probably more harm when I drink, the mute button goes away, your, your patience goes away, and those sorts of things. But those are all biochemical responses. And so if people are ketogenic, it's, it's, I don't believe it's healthy if you're bouncing back and forth between that because it's hard on the body biochemically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think we do eat too many carb sources. Our bodies just can't manage it in 2018. Um, with all the other inflammatory things that are going on within our body. Um, but how we can eat a crap load of carbs if you want to, but how you're getting them is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so as somebody that sees the success on a daily basis of these sorts of things, I want to distinguish between the, the fads or the, the secular making money off of certain things to the simplicity of our, our bodies and how we can take care of them. We overcomplicate things in the healthcare field, in the weight loss field, and we overcomplicate it because we need to make money off of it. Um, and the simplicity behind it would not make people money in the long run. The doctor that I've been privileged to work with a little bit at Duke, he literally gives his patients 
10 pieces of paper. And if they dedicate themselves to these 10 pieces of paper, and, and he actually reduces it down to page four. If you follow page four, a lot of medications, diabetes medication, high blood pressure medications, he will half on day one. Really? And he'll see them in three or four days to make sure everything's good and everything like that. Yeah. But that's how confident he is Dang. when it comes to food as medicine. The simplicity of it. It's got to be hard for people if they've consistently been on those drugs for a long time. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, I'm not popping eight pills. What right. do you do? And, and, and just be, when you're going against the grain, you the sad fact of it in healthcare, usually that's not their first stop. And so they're usually getting to a spot where um, there's some extreme health outcomes that are not good. Their dosages are interacting and, and problematic of the symptoms and they're at a point in their life where they're very unhealthy and they're sick of it. And so then they learn how simple it is. And that's you don't want to know you can't make money on that. And you don't want to know behind the veil because if we put people down off that pedestal. MDs, they maybe get one class in medical school regarding food and food as medicine. If that, that's changing a little bit now. You know, and even into physical activity, exercise for intervention, they don't get anything, you know? And so they tell you to eat better and to go be active and do these other things, but that's all they say. Right. You know, and because they have never been trained. And, and that's where the functional medicine matrix comes into it. More DOs or medical schools are changing to uh, adding DO programs. And, uh, what is DO again? Uh, doctor of Osteopathic. It's a little bit more oh. complementary care aspect of it. But even more MD uh, medical schools, medical schools are starting to bring in a lot more of the holistic care into it as well. So you mentioned this doctor at Duke and some of these people that have been really influential for you in, in your journey. Is there someone that has been, besides Bruce the Goose, the yeah. Silver Fox? <laughs> Shout out to been... my daddy. <laughs> that's been instrumental in, in your learning process, maybe a mentor? You know how much I love my dad, but I don't think he's been, he hasn't been a, a part of this journey. And I think that I need to make sure that, and that's with all love and due respect sure. and stuff like that. Just I a think different field. It, it, completely, I'm not even talking about occupational aspects of things because um, when it comes to mirroring the past, you have to start breaking down those barriers, not with just MDs, but even our, our people that have influenced us in our lives, our parents. And those. So you, your first podcast you know, guest was your mama. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so she played a major role on your neuroplasticity and your attachment styles and many cognitive aspects of things. But then there has to be a transition in your life about ownership, about your self journey as well. And understanding that... Um, it does define us, but it also actually, uh, with the newer, with that Altered Traits book goes over this as well, is it also doesn't continuously make us who we want to do or be. You can always reprogram. And when it comes to those inspirational people, I have to really look at what, who and what is kind of progressing outside the norms within their field and asking questions that usually come from a very personal and passionate space. And so my first reading again was with that GAPS diet, and that was from an MD. She had a child that would, she just couldn't figure out with anxiety and depression and spectrum disorder aspects of things. And it's usually those sorts of zealots that then go deep into their own practice and then start going, hey, I have an obligation to pass this information on, even if it's not mainstream. And so people like that that are rooted in science, rooted in biochemical processes, not just outcome processes, 
but coming back to the molecular level of understanding of why this is going on and not just because of what was taught to them, but progressing the field is usually the people that I try to seek out. But then also understanding the ripple effects between, sure, we could talk about nutrition or we can talk about this or exercise or cognitive, but understanding then the impact of all of those dimensions on each other mm-hmm. um, is who I've kind of set out through. I Even if it's for two or three small meetings, just to sit down and consume from them. What are they reading? Where are they going? What do they see next and stuff like that from the person at Duke is Eric Westman. He was gracious enough to spend some time with me to colleagues down here at the University of Minnesota, Mary Jo Kreitzer. She started the Center for Spirituality and Healing. I've got to meet with her a few times and just inspirational people that were ahead of the curve in certain things based on what they saw or had to deal with at a very personal level mm-hmm. and, and had enough uh, will and passion and putting ego aside to cast that vision for others. Uh, been, to name a few, but there's been so many people, but even to students, you know, I don't think you need titles. You don't need, you don't need those sorts of things to inspire. Listening to stories, knowing how you can evolve those and inspire that I have the luckiest job on the planet Earth every day is because I get to go in there and, and take an idea, take a passion of somebody's and then put the why behind it scientifically to hopefully pay the bills along the way. Because if that's all we're doing is paying the bills, but hopefully that perfect spot where passion, a job market, all these line up, hopefully should be your lifetime goal. Yeah. Um, not just because. You know, some, I, sorry, moms and dads, not just because your mom or dad want you to be a nurse, but why, you know? Yeah, yeah. why behind it? Yeah. If there's any students out there listening (laughs) that are even thinking about getting into biokinetics, Dr. Paradis has a 4.5 rating on Rate by Prof. Oh, stop. (laughs) I think that's like 12 years old. No, I'm sure there's some new (laughs) ratings on there, but I wanted to ask you, and this is like kind of derailing a little bit i love tangents <laughs> um supplements um what's your take on those like fish oil you mentioned zinc i think there were a couple other mm-hmm. supplements that you mentioned yeah i i believe that most of our micros that are you know our vitamins and stuff like that that uh, when you say what you should get per day uh, is way under prescribed with dosage aspect of things. In supplements, I'm gonna kind of that's a big broad spectrum yeah. with that. I think if you have a healthy microbiome, I think you should easily be able to get and absorb micronutrients through most of your macros, through most of your food consumption. Okay. Um, very much so. Um, I think if somebody is in the process of resetting or if they got other health issues or if they're taking antibiotics or they're taking other medications that tear down the walls of like your, your gut health, yeah, kind of your- yeah it, they break down stuff. And so, you know, it's great because you see that um, uh, more doctors now, even if you do have to go through a bout of antibiotics, they'll talk about the microbiome now and, and resetting your healthy gut bacteria after or during and after the use of antibiotics too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we're in a cycle of chronic inflammation in this culture and most people's inflammatory acid it just doesn't happen at the gut. It happens through the body as well, but it pronounces itself through that absorption of nutrition through the body. And so um, I think the assistance of of taking uh, medical grade, high quality 
um, and there's talk to your doctor about this. Um, there are websites that they will bring you to that you'll even need that the the physician's uh, number to get onto. That oh, really? will that will give you. Oh yeah, the quality control is That's very problematic. That's what medical grade means. I thought yes. it was just like if you type in on Amazon, give me that medical no. grade vitamin D that no. you can get. Okay, no, so you actually need it's like quality. A... It's quality and dosage. So okay, um, very much so. And then, so are there any that you take? I personally do not okay. um, because I. I I think my biome's pretty good. Um, <laughs> and if you want to know if your biome's good, just, you know, uh, I'm a big poop guy. So make sure that you are uh, monitoring your poop and the quality of it and how many uh, movements you have per day. And Do you have a are... squatty potty? I do have a squatty potty. Yes. Yes. That thing is yeah. money. Thank I, you. I yeah. actually talked about the squatty potty to my dad on this podcast, but I cut it out because we got way too detailed. About and it, okay. <laughs> if we're talking about putting ego aside, people. Okay. It will change your life. She is not sponsored by Squatty Pie <laughs> at all. My wife, you know, her, her ego is still pretty strong, so she doesn't like the Squatty Potty, but what? it will change your life. She doesn't like it, or she's never actually tried she it? She's never tried it. She oh thinks it's for gosh. old people or something like that. So, no, no, no. No, it no. shifts your pelvis, perfect alignment. Yes, yeah, right yeah, out. Yeah, perfect. Um, how do you shift someone from that doing to being? Oh, someone that needs like the the 101 course because they're they're trying to make that shift okay yeah so we're shifting from supplements to the being and doing conversation <laughs> yeah, sorry. i like this no because um it, it just can't happen and it's going to be life-changing if you start with uh, 30 seconds a day okay i do not get out of bed without in so mindfulness practice okay just being present in the moment okay I had a yoga instructor, I had a meditation instructor, non-Christian, amazing woman, probably about literally seven years ago, um, look at me and, and I go, so how often do you meditate? How often do you practice that meditation? And she looked at me and I didn't understand it till about last year. Um, she looked at me and she goes, I'm meditating right now. And she's way out there. Holy moly. And so I was like, what the hell is, okay, <laughs> would she busy. smoke or something, yeah, you right. know? But, okay, the, the concept of practice is so important. I call yoga my practice, my breath practice. I go and practice. But also intentionally on being. You have to be able to practice before you actually need it. And so what happens is if you start with literally 30 seconds before you roll out of bed without waking up to alarm or the kids waking you up, just to focus on breath, do a mantra, do a Lord's Prayer, do something where you're intentional in that moment, okay? And you dedicate yourself to at night and in morning doing that and then extending that. I, I think if people try to start with five, 10 minutes of meditation, guess what? That roundabout that, that chatter, that mind chatter is going to always win. So create success in this model. And this really started for me probably about, I got a great devotional book and I, I use it as too much as a crutch. I, I, I haven't found something that works better if it's a great life journey about emotional IQ, emotional EQ. EQ. What is that? Uh, it's called that? The Daily Office. It's called Mini Sabbaths. It's by Peter Scazzario. Uh, it's okay. a great book. And it's just a great day, daily devotional. But there's an AM and there's a PM, and it's built in this form called Lectio Divina. It's an old, ancient art of prayer. 
um, contemplative prayer. And where you start in silence, you read a verse, you have a little discussion, there's a question, you do a prayer, and then you end in silence. And there's a great little rhythm to it. So I started doing that in the mornings and the evenings, dedicated prayer time, and then extending those a little bit, um, and then adding a time where an alarm went off in my office, where everything shut down, I'd shut my door, and I would talk to the mind chatter a little bit, let it go through and come back to breath. And you work on that over the years, what you realize and you understand is that every opportunity and every breath is an act of intentional presence. And everybody falls off the wagon, um, but suddenly you find that falling off the wagon becomes less and less in a less shorter time. And then you start connecting, actually, these moments of presence. And six, seven years ago, I was in a horrible place. My marriage, I was always kind of grumpy with my children. And I'm, I realized that this is life. And so I had to start working on this more because suddenly I, I take on a lot within my house. Resentment was building up and I was I was losing these moments of presence with the most beautiful thing and the only reason why I'm on this planet. So from even waking up, I, I, my kids' school, don't st it doesn't start till 9.30. So I try to do accordingly with my schedule. We do homework in the morning. You know, we make lunches. I try to make them a good breakfast every morning. And I found myself always rushed and grumpy that I was having to do the dishes, make this, do that, do this, do that. And there was a point where I was like, I'm losing the whole point of life. And so from even the simplistic aspect of making a meal to communicating with your children about their homework to doing the dishes, that is that's a blessing. That's an honor to be doing those sorts of things. And it's so hard as a parent to remember that. But, it's, but you can't get to that moment unless you practice. And so now, you know, walking the hallways at work, not just asking people, put your phone away. You know, it's not the opportunity to check on emails or what's going on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Put the phone away and actually when you engage with somebody and ask them how their day is, scare them, surprise them, actually make eye contact and actually ask them. And the amount of presence that you create through the day and the amount of special moments that you create now on a daily basis is just life-changing. Mm -hmm. That can't just happen. And if you want to practice something, if you're going to the club, if you want to work on food, this is almost, if not more important, to practice for your, for your own well-being but for the well-being of your family, for your community, for your life journey here, too. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's going to be into it. Not everybody's going to engage with you and create presence. But your journey's yours. But every so often, uh, multiple times a day, some cool things will happen. This actually happened with me and Seth. So I, I was all business. I'm like, so, so I haven't seen Seth in a while. And I was like, Seth, do you want to be on my podcast? And he was like, yeah. Uh, how's your family? How are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like, no, it, it was like a reminder of, oh yeah, and that too. But that should be the first thing, you know? Yeah. So, but you were excited about this. I'm oh, excited for of you. Of course. So. But, um, it's always good to have that reminder of these relationships are important. Yeah. 
But it is so hard to wrap your head around one of the first things that you said, where we are on this planet doesn't really matter because you want to, as a, as a human, none of this matters. That's so, that's so hard to be like, yeah, none of this matters. And it doesn't mean that you don't work hard and you don't represent and you doesn't, I mean, I work my butt off. I love working and I'm always progressing, but and it doesn't mean that you're going to be lazy. It, it, yeah. it truly just means redefining it, not being a, to a standard or to a hypothetical standard that we put onto ourselves from the world. I want to come back down, back to a little bit more family thing too, is because I think we use family as a very big excuse for not changing or being intentional. And you now know the family that I was raised in. You know, it's fast-paced. The neural pathways that were created uh, in all families, some healthy, some unhealthy, how you identify success, many things. And, you know, that was probably the biggest barrier for me in my personal journey is also understanding perspective of others and, and loving, not just the lovable of people, uh, it's really easy to love the lovable of people, mm-hmm. but loving the dirt and understanding why in their own journey, those things are those neural pathways and where they come from. And they're, I'm not asking everybody to, to suddenly do this journey and change things or be intentional with meditation to reprogram the motherboard or anything like that. But when you go through life, also understanding, I'm not here to change you. I'm not here to put my perspective on you. There's a difference between dialogue with you and discussion and debate. I'm here just to dialogue and Mm -hmm. understand your perspective and understand and not push my agenda on and share love. We've lost this culture. And I was raised in a household where we love to debate and, you know, (laughs) we we love to fight and all that sort of stuff. And, and, And there's... There's really no right or wrong in this world either. There's perspective. There's understanding. Going into the, still that in the present day of trying to have those conversations of understanding of having a dialogue and owning your journey and not trying to change other people's journeys. You know, we have a a phrase in my house where my journey is not contingent on yours. It doesn't mean I don't care about your journey, but your highs and lows are not going to impact. You know, I've learned in life, usually if I interact or react to your highs and lows, it will make those highs and lows worse. And so if I'm here just in love and perspective and dialogue, that will probably make the highs and the lows less high and low. That is a setism. When we're at holiday gatherings, you know, I'll crack jokes or make side comments about somebody just because I think it's funny, but could be perceived as rude. But and usually Seth, it's funny. But usually <laughs> it's funny. And then Seth will be like, mm, that's their journey. Don't take that's it on. That's their journey. Don't take it on. I love that. So that's why I put my arm around Seth's shoulder and I'm like, all right, we're just going to stick together through this um, holiday festivity. And we still have a great time. <laughs> yeah. It's very entertaining. Yeah. So what other bits of advice would you have for somebody in their health and wellness and happiness journey? Anything else that you can share with us? Oh, don't overcomplicate it. That's my my biggest philosophy in life. I really believe that if you're honest with yourself, I tried to compartmentalize, okay, I'm going to work on nutrition this year. I'm going to work on uh, exercise this year. I'm going to work on this and kind of, I want to see the outcomes I want to see. And so I collect data myself and stuff like that. If I could redo it again, I, I would probably work on it all a little bit at the same time because the ripple effects, the how each other affects 
the other one is dramatic. Slow down a little bit, work on your food consumption, food is medicine, and self-care is key. If you want to take care of your husband and children, take care of yourself, and everything will percolate from there. It's not taken away from them, and it's a beautiful thing. For the future, something that we can look forward to is your book. Oh, yeah. Now there's no pressure. Yeah. My, <laughs> next, sab- my next sabbatical is um, in, a, I think, about four or five years. And I have two projects that I'm planning on. I've been, for the last decade, this, it's called Centering Time, this, this rhythm that I started off with in the morning and the evening, the rhythm mm-hmm. of, of starting to meditate the, the, in the form of Lectio Divina. I start every one of my lecture courses with the Centering Time because it breaks down ego walls. It breaks down the BS wall and allows people to understand that everybody's struggling. And it refocuses the priority. Sure, we're going to go off some academic tangents and learn a little bit of stuff. Um, but this is really why we're here together as an academic family. And so I've been accumulating those uh, student-written ones for about oh 10 gosh. years now. My first priority is I'm going to put that into a new college uh, devotional book. All proceeds are going to go to our academic program. As I work on that, I'm going to start accumulating writings uh, regarding the ripple effects and the roundabout effect. The roundabouts are going to be the causes, unhealthy causes, but more importantly than how do we get out of that roundabout and allow the ripple effects of healing occur. So What a cool idea. You rock, my brother. This has been such a pleasure. I'm so happy for you (laughs) in this adventure. You're doing a great job and I love listening. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of fermented foods and broths to reset your microbiome. Know what you know well, then find others that know things better than you to continue growing and learning. Read The Daily Office by Peter Scazzaro. And through practicing something like this, you can find your centering time, where every breath you take is an act of intentional presence. Love not just the lovable things about people, but the dirt and hard-to-love things as well. Food is medicine, and self-care is key in the wellness journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. On the next episode of Learn, Laugh, Leap, I'll be talking to Alan Mondes. He's the co-creator of Barnacle Coasters, and he has had an insanely wild ride on his journey to becoming an entrepreneur. So this is one that you will not want to miss. Till next time. DJ Spin in the house.